hubbub, a chaotic din caused by a crowd of people. Welcome to the Directors Hub Founders Support Club, um, episode two of the podcast series. Um, we would like to welcome Jenny Kelly of Command Shift R uh, to the hub today. Hello. Hi, Jenny. How are you? Good, thank you. Great. So today we're going to be talking about saving time in the context of your business, um, Command Shift R. So perhaps you could start by telling us a bit about what your business is and what you do. Yes, we write software for small businesses. So uh, if you are still heavily reliant on Excel or you've got loads of bits of low cost or free software that don't all quite do what you need them to and you're spending hours copying and pasting between one and another, we can either link them together to automate it all much more smoothly or we can create you something from scratch. Great. And how did you get into that? What's what's the evolution of it? It's a very convoluted route. We both started off in theatre and spent 10 years working on, you know, either music or events or comedy shows. Uh, but we used to use FileMaker to sort of improve our working environment. So to create tour lists or running orders or um, rotors. And because of that, uh, quite often when you're touring, you realise that you don't have any social life. Your social life is wrapped <laughs> entirely around the people you're working with and you may never see them again. So uh, you're always on the lookout for something several years down the line where you can have a normal family life, Fair enough. where you're not touring and where you can actually go to friends' weddings and all those things. So were you on in, in production in the theatre or, or were you actually on stage? Or no, what did I was you a do? stage manager oh, well, and James yeah. was an actor but then he became a stage manager too. So. And James is your business partner? or husband? He's my husband. And my business Husband partner. And business partner. How does that work? <laughs> um, carefully sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's because he does all the um, developing. I, obviously, if he's working on something, then I just leave him to it. Fair enough. So we, we, he does all the developing. He's, he's I guess, got the, the coding expertise and all that. Um, what's your forte? Um, what bits do you concentrate on more? Well, I do more of the UX, so user experience, yeah. because I've used loads of databases and all the different jobs I've had. But also, I'm much better at colour and flow. So yeah. James will make it work, but he often says I make it sort of usable. Yeah. The things that people want to use rather than it does what they need it to, but they can't quite see how it works. Yeah. So as you say, the user experience, so that the, the people like me that are not... You know, don't know coding and not technical can use it and it and it works and it does what it says on the tin basically. Well, we always say it should feel intuitive mm. because we've talked to you. We understand what you what you need from your database, and that's the whole point about it being bespoke, is that it should feel obvious to you. Yeah. We use your terminology. The flow should be correct, so you should be able to look at it and click where where it's obvious to click, because we've done a good job and we've reproduced what you need so you know you said you went from sort of as a, as a, a stage manager and theater and then you set up this company with your husband um what tipped the balance between working for other people to wanting to set up a business on your own it was sort of half and half really because we both used to work um full-time in events yeah but then started to run our own business. So in the gaps between, you know, you're a freelancer a lot of the time in events. So when you've got a gap, you think, well, we've got yeah. to find a way of creating an income in these gaps. But then eventually it became, well, we could do this full time and we could keep the art side of it as the part time bit. And that's over the course of 10 years. That's what it became. Yeah. 
So how did, um, I guess you did that before COVID hit, um, which is probably quite fortunate because I guess when COVID hit, all the theatre shows were shut and you wouldn't have had any work anyway. So Absolutely. It started, our, our base was arts, entertainment companies, uh, comedy promoters, but um, we had worked with other people as well. And obviously once COVID hit, all of the arts and entertainment people disappeared but we were able to work with uh, service industry people and other people that thought, well, we've got the time now to you know, spend developing a system or upgrading a system that they already had. So I guess that's what you, is that what you started to focus on, that, that kind of service industry side of things more than the arts and entertainments as a result of COVID? Or we still do both. You do both, We yeah. still do both. Um, yeah, we've worked with about four different um, comedy promoters now because the basis of what they do is exactly the same, even if they have different acts and they have a diff- slightly different way of doing it. They're still booking tours. But yes, they're, I would say half our clients are still from that events industry and the other half are sort of we got four different charities again yeah. charities are quite good for us because they they're all very different and yeah. so to buy something off the shelf is difficult for them yeah so I guess I mean a lot of what you do um is uh, the, the title of this podcast saving this particular episode saving time and I guess a lot of what you do is is about saving time for businesses um what are some of the biggest or I suppose most common challenges that you find the businesses you work with face um, when you go in. How how does it work? With do you, do you have to sort of you know do a sort of fact finding to find out what their their big challenges are? What, how does that work? Yes, I mean it will mostly start by the time we've met them, they will realise there's a problem. They won't realise there's a solution so easily readily available, which is why I spend an awful lot of time networking because most of the time they've looked online, they found something that doesn't quite do what they want and they think, well, what's the point of changing a system that doesn't quite work yeah. to another system that you know, maybe solves one problem but gives us another problem somewhere else? So by writing it f- from scratch, you can have exactly what you want and need. Uh, time saving of course if you've got a system that doesn't work or you're still copying and pasting from one to another and you've got 10 staff copying and pasting that's an awful lot of time yeah I guess it's an awful lot of time and an awful lot of risk of errors as well if they're having to do it because inevitably human error comes into it I guess whereas if you're automating it then it's going to happen a a lot faster and b without too many problems exactly I mean it is one of the risk factors uh, if you're copying and pasting from loads of different systems a you're wasting loads of time but absolutely who knows which version is correct if you've only updated one of the systems and not all three or five then that there, there could be an error and of course depending on what you do and how much money your products or your services cost that could be quite c- catastrophic for a business it's very interesting you, t- you say about um, automating all of the processes uh, within that software platform and how you're actually developing it because when you're utilizing um, online chat rooms for example um, I had the same kind of issue when I went to a a, a zoom meeting and all of a sudden it said there's an update because I hadn't updated for six months so it went through that whole process and I was actually late 20 minutes whilst it was doing that huge update and I guess that's the same with any platform these days to actually have a, a bit of platform, have a, a software uh, platform that's bespokely written for you that enables you to s- see all the functions across the whole company and make it a lot more streamlined is, is definitely the way to go. Exactly. There's an element of reporting that sometimes individual companies need that you wouldn't necessarily get from a, an off-the-shelf. I mean, off-the-shelf is certainly cheaper, and if it does what you need it to, almost, 
you know, it almost finishes all the jobs, then it's worth doing that. But if it doesn't, and you realise you've got a lot of staff doing the same thing, and you know where the holes are, then it's worth having something written, because it will just save you an awful lot of time, and free up your staff to do the things that you really want them to, which is actually grow the business. So what sort of things um, specifically um, would, you know, different software that you write for people um, do? Are we talking about automate, you know, data input or diary management or describe to me some of the specific sort of pieces of software you might write for people and what they might do for them? Well, if I give you an idea of a few of the companies we've worked for, that might give you. So the basis is always a CRM, so customer relationship um, management system. But that is what it is to you. So if you create courses, then it will be all about your clients and the course dates and the course material and emails. If you are a health and safety company, that might be your training courses, still your clients, might be your staff, but it might be thousands of pieces of equipment that you've actually got to make sure are in date before you do a training course. So that compliance element might be the thing that's most important to your business. Or we've recently worked with a food manufacturing business and the thing that was taking them most of their time was downloading all the orders from Shopify, Amazon and via email so that they could create a bake list. Well, that was taking three hours a day. So if you can automate all of that, you instantly save the owner three hours a day. Yeah, it's a hell of a lot of time to be devoting to something that could be doing something more to market business for example I guess absolutely and I think that was one of the drivers for spending the money to have the software written is because you realize that you can't build the business and you can't spend time on the business if you're still working in it it's very interesting the whole process about the time aspect of it and it's something that businesses look at individually every single day if they're on an excel spreadsheet for two hours I'm a culprit for that Um, and then you're obviously exporting that data into another system into another system and so forth and you're and you're 100 percent right it, it it's a tedious process and if you can minimize that process um and and make it easier for yourself and your staff it's 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 a lovely wellness factor isn't it it is i think the nervousness comes from the fact that most people know how to use excel and so why wouldn't you use it it's free and it's easy and uh, most people can build on their skills as they go the idea of creating a database that you don't have a clue where to start is scary so people tend to put it off but when you realize the benefits i think you very you know the more people you speak to that have had it done you think why haven't we done this before yeah i was going to say is that one of the hardest parts of your job is convincing people of the benefits initially because i guess once they have it done they can go oh my god it's amazing i wish i'd done this sooner as you (laughs) say but getting them to that point where they're going well we've been using excel for years and it's fine yeah it takes a while but you know why are we going to spend all these thousands of pounds of you know, it, they, they, seeing the end result, I guess, must be tricky sometimes for them. It is. And I think that's why a lot of our marketing is based around case studies, because yeah. I think until you can see how it works and it doesn't have to be the same as your business at all. It can be entirely different. But you see that you're having the same issues. It's an entirely different related business, but you can see, oh, yes, we are copying and pasting. Yes, we are using Excel. Yes, we have got five systems. Yes, we don't know which one's updated. Then you realize, okay, well, the same could happen for us. Yeah, I guess it's, it's, 
it's interesting really because I guess a lot of businesses are in that that position but I mean I know I could certainly see the benefit I mean I'm I'm, I'm only a very small business but I remember using Excel myself for my accounts and like dreading having to do all of it and going oh god I can't be bothered and then I switched to I think it was Sage very long time ago and that was a really clunky system but it was better than Excel and then I went from Sage to Zero, and it was revelatory because I was like oh my god it all links in it all automates everything and my accountant can see it so yeah I can I can see the benefit and of course in saving the time it used to take me a couple of hours to do the reconciliation a day rather than 10 or 15 minutes you know which it does now it was it was a huge difference and obviously then you can devote that time to other aspects of the business I guess so exactly and and we've just done a quote for some people that interestingly enough it's sort of almost okay the driver was from their accountant saying you can't carry on running your business like this we don't have an overview of what you're doing we can really help and support yeah. you uh, in the same way that we do from your accounts via Excel but if you had a decent system yeah. a lot of the management reporting could be done via that as well if you link all the systems together then you have a much better understanding of what the business is doing as a whole and then they can help and support in terms of where the gaps are. So with your obviously saving time with what you do um, I guess this gives time back to businesses not just um, in terms of the time in the business but in time outside the business so owners and entrepreneurs can have that that work-life balance as well as much as anything exactly I, I think you know you need to be able to step back from business all the time don't you? you can't just do the job you can't be the person that works in the business you have to be able to step back and look at where it's going yeah. and even if you don't have huge goals to end up with thousands of staff you still want to be able to earn enough money from it and to be able to enjoy your downtime yeah do you get to enjoy your downtime does your business allow you to uh, have you got time saving things in your own business that allow you to step back at times i'm just very strict with my diary yeah i i sort of allow myself you know i i know how much networking i need to do yeah. but i allow myself if i'm doing evening networking i make sure i give myself an afternoon off i, just, yeah. I don't work all day and all evening so would that be one of your top tips for other business owners is to be really strict with their their time that they send on, spend on their business um yeah, I think you have to, I, I put it in my diary, I'm, I, I quite literally put, you know, two slots of networking in or three slots of networking in a week. And then if I book an actual date, then obviously I take that empty diary bit away. But it does mean that I think I'm doing my invoicing at a, a particular time, or at least I'm reminded to do it. I'm reminded to book all my networking. Yeah, I think it's a good way of doing it, because once it's in the diary, there's far more chance of it actually happening as well. And then, as you say, sticking to it, because if it's just on a to-do list, it tends to sit there and drift, or you think, oh, I'll do it tomorrow, or I'll do it the next day, and the next day, and it gets pushed to next week's to-do list, and so on. And, you know, in terms of saving time, it doesn't, that, I think that act of diarising something really does help doesn't it it does and I look ahead and I think oh well I've got lots of notes that say networking but I haven't actually booked anything in so I better <laughs> book something in for that week so you do a lot of networking then Jenny to promote your business is that was that where you get most of your business through networking it is yeah and yeah. referrals so we found very much that people are not on the lookout for what we do particularly they wouldn't think certainly with small businesses they wouldn't think they could afford it and they might think I mean there are scary stories about things taking 18 months to develop yeah. and it costing thousands and they're not understanding when they're going to get something they can use whereas our systems typically take four weeks to develop and deliver so you see the results very quickly and you're part of the process yeah. so once we've got something to show you we will 
and then you can see the direction it's going in and that usually prompts people to go ah could it do this or could it do that so they're part of the process so it helps with people learning to use it as well i think that's a um, that's a brilliant point to make about um, enabling the level of support that you get on a bespoke system Um, because you invariably if you do buy office 365 or any other package that supports you in that kind of range trying to get any kind of support can take time and uh, it's one thing that we don't seem to have as business owners Um, we need to maximize on on the time element of what we have to do with everything within a business Um, whether it's bookkeeping and accounts whether it's networking and or or any other um, aspect of business so and Cutting down on that time element is of paramount importance, I think, with everything that we actually do. It's that working smarter, not harder, isn't Indeed, it? Indeed, You yes. know, I guess putting systems in place that you do is, is about working smarter with... We all have the same 24 hours in a day, don't we? It's mm-hmm. like how you how you organise that. Exactly, and, w- and we always think once we've created something for somebody, we have licensing and hosting for the software, but that means that we're with you, so we don't go anywhere. So um, you're paying us monthly, but it means that we're doing backups, we're checking all yeah. your backups, we're making sure that they're all in the right place and they're all ready if anything awful happens. Uh, but it also means we're with you. So if you've changed staff and you want to change the direction of the software, we can. Um, But it means that there's little bits of support if something goes wrong or somebody needs a little bit of training on it. So we sort of think rather than you buying something off the shelf and then not having any help or support, we're there if you don't really understand something or or need it to go in a different direction. Just out of curiosity, um, the the name of your business, where does that come from? Uh, If you're a Mac user... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which I am yeah. which I'm not <laughs> Command Shift R is a, a, a restart of your browser so it refreshes your browser we like to think we refresh your software I like that that's a really nice touchline are you a Mac user then I take it we are yeah because we're <laughs> arts based so yeah. that, that was our, our background yeah. and we're uh, as a family we're, we're fully mapped up but it means all our phones link all our computers link yeah. we've all got access to the same stuff we've all got access to the same diary so all four of us use the same diary to put stuff in oh, that is a good idea actually because we're all mapped up at home again my, my background's in journalism anyway so it was all you know for the um, Quark Express we used to use a lot for laying up pages and whatnot and um yeah, so it's all Mac, so I've always been on Mac, but I haven't thought of linking it to my kids' diaries yet. Maybe I should do that. Yeah, ours are 20 and 21, um, so they're not at home very often. Okay. But if we're trying to organise something, um, all their shifts are, you know, counterintuitive to what we want to do, at least they can pop in where yeah. they are and we can try and organise ourselves that way. You, so, go on. There you go on. Okay. <laughs> I was say, it's, it's, it's funny, really, because the whole world is becoming automated. Um, with AI and everything else happening in, in, in the world at the moment. But it helps to, to automate all of these processes to give us more time for other things that, mean, that we may actually want to do. Yeah, it definitely does, doesn't it? So, like spending time with your kids. But um, I guess if yours are, so do you say, 20 and 21? Yes. Are they at university or are they uh, um, coming to and from home or what are they doing? Uh, one's in London, just finishing her degree in musical theatre. Yeah. And the other one is local and still lives at home, but she works at the Grand in Brighton. Yeah. So she's doing a degree, but she's also working, which is a delight. Do they benefit from, you know, I suppose, you, apart from the obvious, obviously, parents supporting their kids, but do they benefit from your time-saving business and that? Do they, do they, get, it? Do they get it? Do they understand it? And, uh, oh, they understand it. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, we don't 
um, rotor or anything at home using our <laughs> software. But but um, we have talked about things in terms of sometimes when we've done things for ourselves at work, um, we've we and we used to create our own. We had our own version of zero. We had our, all our own invoicing and everything because people used to say, oh, "What do you use? Do you use zero? Or we say. No, we've got our own. That's really cool, having your own system. <laughs> but but actually, yeah. we have recently gone on to zero because it just makes more sense for our accountants for us to be on a yeah. system that they can access. So It's just easy, isn't it, I suppose, and that, that one particular system, it can access it all, definitely. Yeah, yeah there's a, like... Um, you know, I was saying I was on zero just because it's so simple and the accountants can access it and then you can... in, in You know, I can do my inventory on there and everything. It was just... It's just made... So in ter- terms of saving time, it made lots of sense really so in terms of companies that you work with Jenny um, you said you know like some businesses don't appreciate that they don't have to spend thousands of pounds so what is the range of sort of size of companies and the amount of money people spend on the, the kind of software that you produce we've got quite a few a few small companies we yeah. would normally say not micro yeah but um, absolutely there are loads of companies we work with who are micro but usually we say between about 10 and 30 staff just yeah. because they've got the money to invest in the software and they've been running their company for long enough to understand what they really need yeah um, it, it wouldn't work for a startup we wouldn't recommend that they had um, bespoke software written because then they're too early on in the journey I guess um, they don't they, know what they're going to need at that point do they? exactly yeah. and they can find something off the shelf to start off with yeah. and then when they've tried things and they've realized the biggest areas the, the biggest challenges they have at that point then it's a good a good time to start having a conversation so there's some really in. Uh, are there any particular companies that I mean, don't have to necessarily name names, but any particular companies that stick out that have been really interesting and fascinating to work with that you you feel like you come away from the job going, God, we made a really good difference with that company. Uh, one that we work with that actually is uh, that they have three different um, companies that do very different things. But during lockdown, we worked with them on the private ambulance firm. And that was really useful because they were spending hours rotoring staff. And of yeah. course, you can imagine during COVID, A, it was the, the people in the ambulance, but also the staff and whether they had COVID or didn't have COVID. So, of course, unlike a normal uh, range of people going off sick it could be daily you could have rotated on you know 20 people and suddenly 10 of them couldn't work so it was getting even more complex than normal so that was really good to be able to automate the rotoring it, it freed up a phenomenal amount of time and it meant that we could link it with messaging so that if you needed to change the rotor you could message them instantly rather yeah. than also again copying and pasting between one system and another God, that, that sounds very interesting and amazing because I remember years ago when I was uh, I was a news editor on the local paper and the rotor was done by hand. <laughs> we oh literally, <laughs> you did a, you drew out a square of paper and you drew, the, drew these squares along the days of the week and the names of the reporter and you had to sort of do them diagonally each long and then you'd rub it out because someone was on holiday and then you have to put someone else in. Oh, it was a nightmare. And we used to take it in turns to do it once every four weeks and it was the worst job in the world. Everybody tried to avoid it like the plague because it was just so bloody horrible. <laughs> so Pretty much. Could have done with your software then to be honest if you think about most jobs there'll be an element of that staff rotoring if you've got a call center or or anything um but yeah even if it's booking in sort of training days or whatever there'll be an element of is the trainer available is the room available this that and the other so matching anything like that together works really really well in a database yeah i was gonna say it makes my brain hurt when i think about all the pieces of the puzzle you've got to do and then you've got to shift them around again and again and again so yeah having software that does that must be an absolute godsend for businesses to be honest it must be really nice when you've um, when you've you said earlier that um, it takes about four weeks 
And I, that's a very short amount of time. I, I assumed, as um, having a slight you know, aspect ratio with different software pieces I've used, I thought it would have taken a lot longer than that. So that's really nice to hear, and the level of support that you offer, um, that people can contact you, I guess, day or night, um, to obviously get that level of support to tweak the software as well, which is really, really lovely. Yeah, I always think that you don't need to understand how any of it works because that's not that's what you're paying us to do. All you need to know is that it does work. So when you click a button, it does what you need it to. If it doesn't, then you need to be able to say it's not doing what I need it to. And you don't want to be told you've got a ticket and you can have an answer in 48 hours or 24 hours. You want it to be solved straight away. So as long as we are able to and make sure that we staff the business well enough so that you can always get a decent response, then that's what you're paying for isn't it yeah that whole ticket thing is really annoying at times isn't it when you you have a problem with something and then you have to get an answer and then you wait for them to email you back and you get that oh we respond to you in 24 hours email and you just say oh sometimes it's worse than that sometimes it's worse than that you have a knowledge base on a website and it's you have to go through 20 different questions on the knowledge base before you actually get an answer which basically says email us why the hell didn't you just why couldn't they just say that in the first place it's it's infuriating yeah, I suppose somewhere along the line, they have worked out that even though they're not doing such good customer service, they're able to help more people. But it doesn't feel good when you're the person sitting at the end of the phone, does it? No, it's, I think um, in every business, there should be a, a core process of customer service and the customer experience. Um, but invariably, with larger scale organizations, I think along the way, they that kind of gets forgotten about and negated but I think with uh, working with a, a, a smaller business, they would have that customer service focus at the very core of their business and the fabric of who they are, because that's how you get referrals. Exactly. And I think um, supporting other people and all working together is what's really important. I think we would we would hate to get to a place where we couldn't turn around our customers you know James has written the database he understands exactly what he's done for them so you need to be able to speak to him if we get to a place where we have other people answering the phone they still need to understand it well enough to be able to have a reasonable conversation and find out what's gone wrong rather than just going well just send us a picture or <laughs> you know it, it, it has to come from a place of knowledge when you, you know this is the whole thing about having call centres is you get to a place where you're limited with what you can do for somebody because you don't understand really yeah. what's going on in the background so we hope never to get to a place where we can't actually answer with the, the right amount of knowledge so at the moment your company there's, there's you and your husband um um uh, are there other people in your company or is it mainly you two and he answers directly or do you have other um coders that come in and help on bigger projects how does it work we have done when we've got busy before yeah. we've worked with other freelancers that um develop in filemaker so um absolutely we can call on them but we are just at the point now where we're going to recruit somebody that will be a junior developer that will be with us oh, full time yeah and they will work on the projects with james yeah. so they will do elements of it but it means that if they end up doing more of the customer service bit and answering the phones they'll still have an understanding of the systems yeah I suppose it's it, what, what you do it is necessary to have someone who does understand the systems and has got that coding experience absolutely you don't want to have to explain what's gone wrong and for somebody at the other end not to really understand that's that's just putting a block in the way yeah. so that's one of the next steps you've got coming up what other um, future plans do you have for your business well we're doing quite a big project up in London which might mean that James isn't 
based here very often anymore but that's quite a big exciting project because it's quite long term it's been something that we've been hoping would come off for quite a few years so to start on that is, is really good it means that we have less of a stress in terms of getting more clients but obviously we want to carry on building as well it's no good just focusing all on just one client and, and then, then if that stops then you're back to square one yeah. in terms of building it up again yeah. so but it, it does take the pressure off a little bit in yeah. terms of getting kind of monthly uh, clients so as well as doing that, what then obviously so we're going back to saving time and if you've got free time because you've saved all this time in your business, <laughs> what do you do in your free time, Jenny? What kind of things uh, interest you? I like to get away from anything digital at that point. I like to read books and a proper old-fashioned book, so I like to turn Not on the pages. Not on a Kindle or anything, yeah. No, absolutely. I don't want a Kindle. <laughs> They're lovely, but I spend all my time looking at screens, yeah. so I want to get away from screens and uh, pick up a paper book, so... I like history and I read a lot of historical books. I like to get out of the current modern day and disappear off down yeah. rabbit holes. I don't blame you, actually. I've just gone back to... I have a Kindle, but I've gone back to use reading proper books because there's something really nice about being able to turn the page and put your phone on silent or put it out the room so you can't go on it and actually lose yourself in a, in a good story. And I read at night, so I read before I go to sleep. So the last thing I need is a screen in front of me while yeah. I'm trying to go to sleep. I find I get to a place where I think, right, next chapter, that's it, I'm done. And then I just fall asleep. So I it, think it, would be it wouldn't help me to go to sleep if I was looking at a screen. I think it's, it's uh, I'm glad you raised that point because I do an awful lot of reading too. And thanks to Jenny, our guest, um, she lent me one of her books um, for the Director's Hub. And I really immersed myself in it. And it's, it was so lovely to read it in bed before I go to sleep, just five or six pages. And I love the feel of paper. And it's nice just, like you say, just to, <laughs> to be, a for myself, obviously, just to be a little bit old-fashioned and just read a book and, um, you know, just forget about the rest of the world and what's going in around it. And like you say, not to use a screen, which because which damages your eyes. I, I hear before you go to sleep too. Um, but it's really lovely just to to read any book, really, just to get the history and feel for what it is you're reading. I think it's amazing, really nice thing that we can do. I think it's sort of a wellness thing as well because it takes you out of whatever you're doing um, and takes you somewhere else, doesn't it? So I think it's good to give yourself time that is something entirely different to what you do and to switch your brain off because if you're thinking about things for your business all the time yeah. and especially running a family, sometimes you just need to take that time just for you. And I think doing anything that is sort of reading... I, I didn't, would never read a, a business book at night because I think, again, that's working on your business. Switch on your brain too much, perhaps. Exactly. Yeah. Just disappear off down a you know rabbit hole of a story or whatever, I think, is, is much nicer than worrying about business. That I, business books are for the day, but, um, yeah, stories. Well, you can't night. do much about it at, at sort of 10 or 11 o'clock at night, can you? If you start no. thinking, oh, that's a good idea. Oh, no, I should be doing that in my <laughs> business. And then you're going to worry about it all night long, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess yeah, there is, the there is that want. worry, yeah. isn't there? I, I read... Um, I'm currently reading to my twins, uh, Jack and Charlotte. Um, I'm currently reading Lord of the Rings. And it's a, an immense storyline and immense characters and a huge process and swathe of different characters going on through it. And we're only on page 100 and there's like 800 pages. So we're going to be there a while. But it's such a joyful wellness factor that, you know, you're, you're, it's from the heart, you know. And, it's in, and as you said, you can switch off completely from business 
yeah, I, I wouldn't. I am actually reading a book at the moment on business, but I wouldn't read it at night time because, as, as Faye would just said, you would worry about it all as you're sleeping. I think you do sometimes. I do sometimes wake up in the morning having absolutely, you know, not thought about business at the end of the night. But I do wake up sometimes thinking, ah, oh, I could do that today, or oh, I could write <laughs> about that today. But I also do when I'm walking. That's a really good time for me. I think if you go for a little walk in the middle of the day, quite often you'll think about uh, something to do, like a post or some marketing or whatever. That's so. I do think you need to take time out. Yeah. Um. And and that is stepping away from your desk because I think yeah. you don't always think about things when you're in front of a screen. So you said you're you're in front of a screen all day long. Your business is very much re- revolves around that and setting up software for people. So are you? determined to sort of when you say step away from the screen do you step away from all screens so phone off and that sort of thing and try and have non-tech time as it were as well oh yeah I mean we never have uh, you know we sit at the table for meals we don't have the phones at the table and it's not a it was just because I'm that generation that didn't have phones when I was growing up it's not on my radar to have it at the table yeah um so phones are away computers are when I leave here computer goes in my bag it stays in my bag until I come back in the next day so yeah, that is really nice. So it drives me nuts with my kids. Um, I've got two teenagers and a younger one, even the younger one, he can't read yet, but he's on his tablet. But the, the girls at the table will get their phones out and prop them up and start watching Netflix. I'm like, what are you doing? We're trying to have dinner. <laughs> oh, but I just want to watch this. And they'll double screen and they have the telly on and they'll watch Netflix and then they'll try and eat their dinner at the same time. And it, it drives me nuts. But as you say, it's it, it's definitely a generational thing because they've that's what they've grown up with. Yeah. Um, whereas obviously we we're old enough, sadly, <laughs> that we did. <laughs> <laughs> I actually go one step further sometimes at the dinner table, and I sh- I shouldn't really say this on air, but um, I actually turn the router off in the office at home. Uh, I, I will go that far if if they will not turn off. That turn is their a good idea. Off. It's really infuriating. Mine have got data on their phones, so they don't give two hoots if they turn the router <laughs> off. They'll just use their data to watch it anyway. And then you'll end up paying. And for then it. you'll yeah, pay exactly. for it, of course, won't so, you? Yeah, but it is. I think it is. I mean, obviously, we all work in very, um, you know, a, a tech orientated world, and you particularly, Jenny, work in a very tech orientated business so it's something that is part and parcel of your life and you deal with a serious point to all this is that it is important to have that time away to recharge your batteries because in doing so the well you know from a well-being perspective I think then it makes you more productive when you do come back to your business the next day or the next week whenever it is exactly and I think it's just really important to think now we can work at any place any time uh, and we don't need to do that nine to five thing but it's still important to think, all right, that, that is a working day. So yeah. if I'm working at seven in the morning, I can stop at lunchtime and I can have two hours off. Or I can have the afternoon off because I'm working in the evening. It's just really important. to. It's, an, it's not about clock watching and thinking I've done my eight hours because it's our business. So I can do four hours if I want. But it's to remind you that you're allowed to take time off. It yeah. doesn't have to be all day, every day. I don't have to get up and the first thing I think of is the business. Yeah. I suppose you have that flexibility um, to do the hours, uh, I guess as long as you get the job done at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter how long you spend on it. Exactly, and sometimes that is bank holidays and sometimes it's weekends, but that's fine. I mean, that, that's one of the things that's a benefit of coming from a theatre background. Sort of bank holidays and things aren't really on your radar. Yeah. But it doesn't mean to say that we get up and think, well, we've got to do eight hours. If I've got stuff to do, I do it. But if not, um, I think, no, taking the day off. So what books have you read lately that stick in your mind? Ah, um, well, I've reread all of the um, Thomas Cromwell books, and there's three of those. 
um, so Wolf Hall, okay. uh, Bring Up the Bodies, and uh, Shadow and the Light. So I've read them once, and I ran out of books to read, so I read them all again. <laughs> and James often laughs to me because he's like, haven't you read that? And I say, yes, I have. And he's like, that's a big book. And I'm like, I know, but it's okay. <laughs> I've got nothing else to do. <laughs> well, if, if, it's, if it's a good book and you're captivated by it, then why not, I guess? Why not? Yeah. Exactly. I read um, the uh, Where the Crawdads Sing recently by Delia Owens, which was um, set in the sort of 50s and 60s. And uh, I don't know if you read it or not, but um, it was I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was bit slow going to get into but the language is incredible in it the way she writes and everything so i can thoroughly recommend that one i haven't read it but i have seen yeah. it oh you've seen it yeah i've seen the film it's, and it's beautiful film mm. yeah no the book was really good i might catch the film soon but um well, we, we're down to 10 minutes now so we're going to ask some questions then sunny yes 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 <laughs> okay so we've got a few questions for you jenny lovely if you could have coffee with any historical figure who would you choose well, Elizabeth I. Elizabeth I. I'm not too sure she'd be having coffee, but um, yeah, I would, <laughs> absolutely. It's uh, Elizabethan sort of favourite period of history, and uh, I sort of read either side of that by a hundred years or so, but yeah, yeah. That, I, I come back to that a lot, and I have a lot of books about sort of Elizabethan times, and I think she'd be fascinating to talk to. Yeah, what about it do you think would be fascinating? What sort of things do you find interesting about that particular period in time? I think it's uh, a woman uh, being queen, a woman uh, sort of trying to fight for, uh, obviously, she spent all her life being expected to get married and she knew that if she got married, then there'd be somebody that they would defer to and it wouldn't be her. You know, she spent all her life thinking, I'm never going to be queen because they'll try and find a man to, to be in that. And, and that happened multiple times with her father trying to put, uh, you know, her, her much younger brother became king before her sister and before her so ultimately she knew that it was going to be a battle and she didn't marry and managed to you know stay on the throne for a really long time and I think still there's still a lot of battles for women in business and um she's a bit of an icon so she's she's an icon for you then is she yeah absolutely I think you know at a time when they were expecting women to sort of disappear and do what they were told um she sort of fought very hard to, to to stay in control and stay in her position. It's interesting you said that um, you know she had a lot of battles to fight even back then because that's what four hundred years ago is it? My history's a bit rubbish, <laughs> but sixteen hundreds, sixteen hundreds, yeah. 1600s, 1600s, yeah. Um, so you know, you said you touched upon that women have battles still now to fight, and have you have you come across some of that yourself? Have you had to fight harder because you're a female in a tech world, as it were, or anything? No, it's actually not really a tech world, but I think there's there's always um, touches of it. I yeah. remember at school, I really wanted to do technical drawing, and and as it was, I I ended up using it a lot. I mean, needed yeah. to do to mark out rehearsal rooms from a drawing, um, but I remember them saying, "No, uh, there'll be some boys that need to do that class, so you can't do it." And really, I was told wow. I and yet we were frequently asked to go to talks about engineering, and they were desperate to get women into engineering, and he thought, "Yes." But you see, at every turn when we stick our hand in the air and say we'd like to do something, you say, oh, no, I think a, a boy ought to do that. Yeah, that's quite bad, isn't it? I suppose one would hope that that doesn't happen these days, but because um, there's all this all this stuff around getting 
girls into the STEM subject. So one would hope that it's a bit more enthusiastic <laughs> than sending you down to home ec instead of design and tech, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 actually, at the same time, the school, we did do woodwork and metalwork and all manner of things. It, that was just one example. But I do think there's still an element of that. And I, I think in business, depending on what you're doing, there'll always be a, a, a little bit of a, at some point, you might leave and have children. And that always sort of still falls predominantly yeah. to the women. It does, doesn't it? Unfor- well, unfortunately, unfortunately, depending on your point of view, I guess. <laughs> um, but speaking of school, what was your favourite subject at school and why? Ah, well, it was history. Um, I liked it more at primary school than secondary school. I didn't get on particularly well with my history teacher, so although I still loved the subject, I thought he was a bit lazy. <laughs> <laughs> it was mostly copying it from the blackboard, uh. and that, that wasn't really very inspiring. But yes, yeah, still is. It hasn't been destroyed. I suppose it was a good thing that it didn't go very well at secondary school because it meant I didn't do it as an A-level. So um, it put me off, but it means that I just read for myself now. So. Yeah. Do you th- Sorry. Go on, you I was going to say, do you think you would have, um, uh, if you'd done it at A-level, then you wouldn't have been so interested in reading history now? It would, or you'd have gone down a different route? Maybe. Maybe it would have ruined it for a few years. Yeah. I think for a long time after working in theatre, I couldn't go and watch shows in theatre because I was constantly looking to see whether they'd cued things properly or the lighting felt like they'd done it at the right time. Or um, So, yeah, I had to step back for quite a while and not go back to theatre until I'd been removed from it. So yeah. I do think if you spend a lot of time sort of reading English or, you know, reading history, that, that maybe you'd be put off it for a while because you'd have to analyse it in a lot of detail. Whereas I can just read it for enjoyment. Yeah. And you said you liked, um, obviously, the Elizabeth- Elizabethan period, but are there any other periods of history that really grab your attention as well? Yeah, I did another one of those big, giant books. I read the um, kind of all the Civil War books in America. Wow. So that was quite <laughs> interesting. Yeah, very. And the um, Hamilton, about Al- Alexander Hamilton. I mean, it started off because we liked the musical, but but then I read the books. <laughs> wow, that is a lot lot to read, definitely. So, I think what final question we've got here, haven't we, at Shoot. the moment, which is, um, what is the most important lesson you've learned over your career so far? It's quite a big one, there, isn't it? It's but, a massive uh, question, but I think it's actually just keep talking to people because there are a lot of people that will always give you help and advice. A lot of people are very happy to, even not in a formal way, but to mentor you and support you and to help give you advice that they maybe would have done things differently. And I think if you don't ask the questions, you'll never find out. Um, and you have to be inquisitive. Have you had um, mentors that have helped you along the way as well, then? Yeah, I just think, especially in the arts, there's a yeah. lot of people that are very happy to sit and talk to you about their experience. And sometimes it's good experience and sometimes it's it's been bad experiences, but it does just help you, support you in, in your sort of future endeavours. And I think the same with business now. There are an awful lot of people out there that do different things to you that are very happy to share their knowledge and it's no, then they never expect to charge you for it. And I think running your business that way, it, it just is very inclusive and it means that... It it's much more supportive. You, you only do one element of your business, but to have good relationships with loads of other people that do other things just means that you're all supporting each other. Well, it comes back into that saving time thing as well, doesn't it? Because, you know, I mean, I'm, uh, there's certain elements of my business which I can do, but I'm not very fast at it. But having a, a mentor or someone that can do that it w- will save you time down the line as well. So having mentors, I th- I'm a big proponent of mentors because they can show you a different way of doing something that can be a lot better than what you've been doing 
Exactly. And I think if it's what you do and it's something that you can do very quickly, people are very happy to do it free of charge because at some point in your life you might need something that they do and, and it's, it will come back. Have you mentored anyone yourself yet or, or been approached by anyone to actually formally <laughs> mentor them? <laughs> Not really in our, in our software element, no, but in theatre, because of the position I was in, I always had assistants. Yeah. So it, there was always an element of mentoring, teaching them how to do that well and thinking about progression and which direction yeah. they'd like to go in. So it's sort of in a, a more informal way I have. So do you miss the theatre world or are you sort of quite happy to not be travelling around, as you say, not having bank holidays or weekends and, and all that now? Yeah, I'm happy not to be touring yeah. and I'm happy not to be working in the environment, but yeah. I do actually work for a children's theatre school part-time, so I, I have kind of the best bits. Oh, still. you work for a children's theatre school part-time. So what does that involve then? Um, it's for children, sort of 4 to 24, yeah. and they have a Saturday school. Most yeah. of the schools are Saturday, so sort of three hours of acting, singing and dancing, which is great for confidence and um, great for especially children not necessarily getting on or maybe they are not super academic. Um, it's nice for them to have a different environment where they can maybe be good at acting or singing and think, oh, there are other things out there than just sort of standard subjects at school. Yeah, that's brilliant because that that builds confidence, and that's kind of the key foundation blocks for watching children grow up. And it's it's it, that's a really lovely aspect what you do. Yeah, and I think it, it's not always about and frequently isn't about people just being cherry-picked who are brilliant at it. It's about building confidence. So you can see the children that really struggle when they come in. And it's a new environment and it's not school. And they might be asked to do something that they think are, is a little bit scary. But we say, well, it's not meant to be scary. It's meant to be fun. And if you think about all the people that then do speeches at work or presentations, it's all, you know, for most of them, they won't go on to perform. That's not what it's about. But they might go on to do presentations and things and be a little bit more comfortable about standing in front of people. I guess it's those transferable skills, isn't it, that you're giving them? Exactly. Oh, brilliant. Life sounds skills. like fun. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Well, we're coming to the end of our podcast now. So thank you ever so much, Jenny, for coming in and chatting to us about your business and about ways businesses can save time. So Jenny Kenley of uh, Command Shift R, um, thank you very much for joining us for episode two of uh, series one of uh, Hubbub. Uh, I'm Sunny Cutting. I'm Faye Miller. Thank you very much. Thank you.